Hi, book club members. This is Jen. And this is Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 86, and our book is Hellbrecht, Knight of the Throne by Mark Collins. The book tells the passing of Hellbrecht across the Rubicon Primaris, as well as his first mission he undertakes after having become bigger, better, faster, stronger. We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via YouTube, our site, or Encrypted Vox channel. Spoiler warning, if you haven't yet read the book, definitely go check it out before listening to this podcast, as we'll be talking about it in great detail from start to finish. With that, let's dive in. As always, Carrie, did you like the book? Parts. You know what? I'm going to agree with you on that. I, um... I I liked parts of the book, obviously, because it dealt with the Iron Warriors. So um, I really well, that liked to those me parts. is when it got fun when the Iron Warriors showed up. I was like, oh, finally something's happening here. Because if I have to deal with these guys risking themselves over how zealous and how wonderful they can be, and is this really what the Emperor wants them to do? I was going to start risking myself. You know what? I kind of agree, but I will tell you that when I got to the end of the book, I was like. That's nice. Like, my exact reaction was, cool story, bro. I like the ending. Um, actually, the, there, there was a few lines at the end that really, really stood out to me. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. But I feel like I got to the end and I was like, okay, so the point, my major takeaway from the book is I was like, okay, so they're they're going to get in line and they're going to do stuff maybe a little bit less uh, revenge uh, self-centered maybe is a good way to say that but like also okay to me God, you this... still hate the iron warriors <laughs> to me but this was uh a lot of it was it was about and it's something that i think reboot in the beginning really kind of pushed on this was that is about like not holding on to the past and i don't know quote walt disney you gotta let go of the past and keep moving forward and um mm. Not only that, but um, we can't keep holding on to sins of the father. Like, honestly, sins of the father is probably the one trope, cliche, whatever you want to call it, that I cannot get behind. You know, and we see it not only in movies and things like that, but it happens in real life, too. And I can't stand it. Because I'm actually very much on board with you there. And it's mainly it's like, okay, sins of the direct father, I understand a little bit, but we're talking about generations. I can't deal with that. And so mm-hmm. honestly, like I know we're going to talk about this here, but when we when they get to this planet, Havarin, and uh, they find out that they betrayed, that, you know, that they were aligned with the Iron Warriors, I was like, well, what did you think was going to happen? You've made them be like slaves to something that they had nothing to do with 10,000 years ago. You can mm-hmm. only push people like that so far before they're just like, you know what? Fuck you. We're done. Yeah. Maybe the other side isn't so bad. And that's actually been... Well, sometimes it's those... like, you know, compared to this, it doesn't seem so bad. You know, like right. the um, that Gene Stealers book. Yeah. Like, how bad are things that you think the Gene Stealers are a better idea? <laughs> Like, well, not just we saw it there. We saw it in that. Um, oh, shoot. It was one of those um, Dawn of Fire 
books. Mm. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Is basically like, well, this all sucks. I guess the word bearers are here. It's just like different cruelty from like, at least feels a little freer, I guess. Like, I do understand that. And especially with Heverin, it's like, okay, well, you were damned either way. So you might as well, at least these guys are here. (laughs) And I I know that that sounds like terrible and I'm not, I'm definitely not being like, I mean, yeah, the Imperium sucks. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying that you can look at these people and be like, well, yeah, you kind of understand. Um, That actually segues really nicely into what parts stood out to you. I think one of the underlying currents that you tapped on, you touched on as well is that, and this is one of the things I'm finding very interesting with Robbie Bobby is this idea, like, when he's just like, do you know about that sword? And Helbrecht's like, of course I know. And Gulliman's like, yeah, no. And so, I mean, he does, but he also doesn't. And this idea, yeah. and Helbrecht kind of goes through this, right? And we'll I'll talk more about what parts stood out to me um, on page 177, when uh, Varker is talking, and he says... Um, Dorn would have drowned the galaxy in blood if it meant he could wash away but a fraction of the guilt he felt. Oh, yes. Yes. And I don't, maybe that's. Which I like that because it echoed what Reboot said earlier. And we'll talk about that more yeah. later, like for. Because Vakra had a lot of opinions. Um, but I do kind of like this idea that, look. As you were, so right before the podcast, Carrie's reading um, Unremembered Empire. And so we were kind of talking about this. This, They're not these flawless gods. They are still at their core. There's an achingly human part of all of these Primarchs. And the past in Warhammer 40k has been so washed over and sanitized. And not that I'm not saying that doesn't happen in real life too. Right. Um, and revered, this, which we talked about it before. Like, what if we got to meet George Washington. Right. You know, and, and we would just be like, oh, you're just a guy. Yeah. Or we start, you know, asking him questions about certain things that we know that he's done. And he's like, well, that's not really what happened. Or that's not how I remember it. You know, we're, we're getting a lot of that, which I really love, to be totally honest. Thank you. Um, mainly because like we said, it shows kind of, kind of the human side, but it's this whole idea that you guys have got to stop revering the past because you weren't there. You got to move forward. You weren't there. And the Templars, especially, um, because they have this zealotry to them, because they, and you understand it, right? Like, they are, I always talk about, like, the domino effect of how you can see, like, well, how do we go from this person down to the current chapter master? Like, you can kind of see, right? How, Mm -hmm. like, with the Ultramarines, right? You can see that evolution very easily of how they would become the chapter that we obey the letter of the right. codex, right? As each each generation gets a little more uh, zealous, the Templars started zealous and just kind of went from there. <laughs> like you can really see that in this book too, and I do like that. Reboot basically says like. You don't even know. You weren't there. And he actually, he handles it very well. Because he could have been like, oh my god, you idiot. Like, do you understand? He trusted Helbrecht enough to be like, okay, let me tell you a little quick story that you weren't there for. For Helbrecht to be like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. I Honestly, like, that scene, like, that's probably my favorite scene in the whole book. Where he's, like, trying to tell him about 
the sword. He's like, yes, I, I know this. Like, it's something that's recited. He's like, you don't know because you weren't there. Just like, cut him down so fast. Like, mm-hmm. Like, oh, you weren't. And Reboot witnessed it. So He was there. You know, like, I know we've said this before, even like when you and I have been talking with about, you know, the horse heresy. Y'all can drink now. And it's... um. You know, when Reboot's yelling at Frater Matthew, he's like, I'm the only person who's spoken to, to my father. Like, don't pretend to know th- that you think you know what what, mm-hmm. what he's thinking, because I'm the only person who's actually talked to him. Uh, that same thing, like, oh, doesn't he love us? And it's like, well, I mean, yes, but no. From a certain point of view. Yeah, you know, just because he was there. So he do- does know. So I... And, and I think because he was there and he does know, he doesn't have this, you know, revering awe the way everybody else does. He's like, no, this was a thing. Right. This is a thing that happened. This is what you can learn from this. Exactly. And I liked, I thought that was great. I think it's also very interesting. And this is one of the things that I always really like about um, Loyalist Legions versus Chaos Legions. Like the Chaos Legions, yes, the Iron Warriors, my beloved Iron Warriors. They have a very warped perspective, right? All of them do. Um, they have a very warped perspective. They have a very bitter. <laughs> the Iron Warriors, bitter. <laughs> right. In my fourth legion. Um, they, uh, but they, I mean, they were there. <laughs> so, like, when he sits there and he's telling Helbrecht, he's like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about your Primarch. And Helbrecht's just like, Ugh. I mean... Hands up, everyone here who actually met Rogaldorn. Those right? guys could probably say that. Um, and and honestly, from what I've read about Rogaldorn, wouldn't surprise me. That's a that's another thing um, that I find very interesting. And this book kind of hints at it because Rogaldorn. And I'm not saying that Rogaldorn's a bad person or a bad character or anything no. like that. But Rogaldorn, I think. More than any of the Loyalist Primarchs, even more so than the Lion, probably, really benefited from this glazing over of the Primarchs. Because when you read the Horus Heresy, yeah, he has personality and yeah, he's an interesting dude, but he's very rough around the edges. He Mm -hmm. is very brusque and he is very my way or the highway kind of guy. We did see that a little bit with the Imperial Fests, but I feel as though... I mean, some of the things that Vakran said, some of the things that Gulliman kind of hinted at. Yeah. I ain't wrong. I mean, and this is one of the things that I'll save that for when we actually talk about the other ways themselves, because this, there's there's a of the Iron War, the Imperial Fist's Iron Warrior lore that I struggle with. I really struggle with. Um, look at that in a second, though. Um, so what did you think of Helbrecht? Like, and th- there's the three things with Helbrecht. I think that we saw him as a character, as a Templar, and as a leader. Yeah. I mean, he's... Uh, he's a zealot. Like, I don't... Um, we saw some good growth from him. I will I, I will say that. Because he started off at the very beginning, you know, before he crossed the Rubicon. He was just like... Well, I've always been on this quest, and now the rift is open. I have to go do it. I have to go after, you know, um, Gaskal Thraka. Yeah, I have to cross over this Armageddon. And Reboot's like, but 
that's not where the war is right now. Like, yes, the rift has changed things, but I need you to do this on this on with with the, this side of the rift. Like he gets he's so focused on his one thing, which is where mm. he was like comparing him to Sigismund to where, OK, fine, I'm going to cross the Rubicon. I'm going to do these things. And then he gets this vision and he's like, wait, am I supposed to be the champion and the high marshal and the first marshal? And he's trying to figure out how he's going to do that. Oh, no, it's not used. Now he has to accept that this apothecary, which is always, I think is kind of very funny that, you know, apothecary is now the champion. Mm-hmm. So he has to reconcile with, with that. And then he has to, you know, basically he's trying to make all these plans of what he feels like he needs to do. And everyone's coming in and thwarting them. Somebody else is now the ch- now the emperor's champion. He's going to go mm-hmm. on this this quest alone. No, the champion needs to go with you. Okay, it's just us. Oh, wait, surprise. You have a squad with you. Um, right. We're going to do this and we're going to like, they're never, never even going to know what they're there. <laughs> surprise, Iron Warriors. And to nothing is going to plan. And I think that's when we start actually seeing the softening with Helbrecht, that nothing mm-hmm. is going to plan because the Imperial Fists, I mean, one thing I've learned from the Horus Heresy with the Imperial Fists, and we've seen a little bit uh, within the books we've read in, I guess, what you say, the present day of 40K, right. uh, that they make lots of plans and they don't deviate from those plans. Probably one of my uh, favorite things was when that one imperial fell i think it was in the uh i think it was an apocalypse so he made all these plans or how he was going to get the word bears to do this one thing to in this one area and that's not what happened he's like but that no that's like i laid it all out for them to do that they don't do well when things go against their plans no. and so this is about helbrecht having to adapt with those plans and realizing that he has to change the mission for the black templars so, like, in that aspect, like, I I grew to, like, Helbrecht. Like, to me, started off as very flat, mm-hmm. one-sided zealot, and then grew to kind of understanding his place in this new Imperium and galaxy. I would agree with that. Okay, so you kind of touched on the thing that I was going to dovetail into that's always really frustrating to me about the Imperial Fist is that and we talk a lot about this vis-a-vis the Dark Angels. On whose side are the Dark Angels? Their own. Hmm. Um, they are loyal to the Imperium, right. but they are loyal to themselves first because they have this horrible secret that they want to. Um, the Imperial Fists, they had to go through kind of a similar thing, which with the Iron Cage. How? How? And this has always bothered me. How Rogel Dorn didn't take one look at that and go, hmm, no. Um, to be honest, <laughs> I know nothing about the Iron Cage except that something that Perturabo like shoved him in and then Gulliman like saved him or something. That's about so all I know. The, the too long did not read is that there was a conversation once. I don't remember who somebody asked Rogel Dorn, hey, who would win in a fight? You and Perturabo. You or Perturabo. And, um, uh, Dorn says, yeah, I would put Perturbo in an iron cage and drag him back to Terra, basically. So Perturbo designs this iron cage on this planet, which, and he basically calls Rogel Dorn. He's basically like, come at me, bro. If you want to fight, let's fight. 
And so Rogaldorn goes down there. And yes, they both basically are so well pitted against one another and so equal that, yeah, the Gulliman has to show up and bail them out or else there'd be no more Imperial Fists or Warriors, which, oh no. Um, So he goes, anyways. How Rogaldorn didn't look at that and go, nah. And the answer is that he let his desire for vengeance and his anger and his bitterness get the better of him. So outside of that very, like, he oh, stooped, what stoic, he stooped down mm-hmm. to, he stooped down to Pratarabha's level. Really what it is. You know, it is. And I, I always think of one of my dad's favorite phrases from when I was a kid is never roll around with pigs because you'll just get dirty and the pig likes it. And that's pretty much what happened there with Rogaldorn. But it was that, like, my honor and my vengeance takes more precedent. And that was pretty much, like, defined Sigismund in a nutshell. Right. <laughs> my vengeance and my honor takes more. Um, and Helbrecht was on that. I think he was on that verge. I think Helbrecht would have thrown every single Black Templar he had to get... Gosgothraka. Mm-hmm. Is Gosgothraka a big threat to the Imperium? Absolutely. The orcs are a problem. Are they the biggest threat right now? No. Like, if you have a pipe that is burst and is leaking in your house, like in your basement, but your roof is on fire, we'll get to the leak. <laughs> the fire is the more it's the more important pressing issue currently. Like, and I don't I don't necessarily know that he I think it took this kind of humbling right. to, okay, we, we need to focus and we need to. I just love, he's like, you remind me of Sigismund. Thank you. Yeah, that wasn't a compliment. <laughs> I love that when he's like, you do me honor. That was not my intention. Right. <laughs> like, oh, it's an absolutely wonderful thing. Do you think he's a good leader? Like, do you think he's, I mean, other than like, I mean, other than. It's hard, to, what we you know, honestly, about. it's hard to say. To be honest, I think Grimaldus is a good leader. Yes. Oh, agreed. Uh, Halbrecht is too like stuck in his own head with his own purpose. So I don't think. So I think it's interesting that he's first marshal. I think he becomes a good leader by the end when he sees right. what must be done. But I would agree with that. I think. I think like a lot of people and a lot of characters that we see, he just needed that. <laughs> this is, excuse the weirdness of this phrasing, but given the 40K universe, he kind of needed to come to Jesus talk. Hmm. Come to the emperor talk. Right. And okay. Yeah, there are bigger fish to fry. Right. Um, it, it, it costs a little bit to get there, though. Right. Um. So, and we've kind of dovetailed into the next question that I had, which is like, what do you make of this whole journey of discovery? Um, I know that we both agreed with Gulliman's chastisement of him, but again, was this a compelling journey? Do you think the Black Templars really needed to have this happened? Happened. That happened. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I do. For them to, you know, and I think, you know, this, I do believe this was a, a vision from the Emperor. He's like, basically like, you know, I'm going to put you on a quest. And it really made me think like a blessing, a blessing from the Lord. God be praised. God be praised. <laughs> really what it made me think of that, you know, we see where, where we need to go. We need to get this peace 
of Dorne's armor. I'm like, how abs like, uh, you know, say what you will about the blood angels. But at least like they go for a whole chalice, right? And not just a piece <laughs> of some armor. Like I guess when you word it that way. <laughs> I mean the piece of armor. I have questions. How'd it get there? Why was it just hovering like in this stasis? hanging out? You know, I sure. Why would this planet of all places be like we should just just put this in this. You know, Is this thing that Dorn he got so pissed off at him? He raised the place to the ground. He was like broke off his armor. He's like, this is gonna watch you and put it there. I mean, like, it, it doesn't. I don't know. You know, much like Chewbacca, this doesn't make sense. Um, right. <laughs> I understand that reference. But I think I do believe though that the Emperor put them on this for a couple of things. One, to get mm -hmm. their heads in gear. And two, to help them let go. Right. And both of just like letting go of like this co conquest of Dorne, but letting go of this poor planet. These people yes. suffering for 10,000 years. And for what? Oh, for Rogaldorn's pride? Like, and, and look, again, I'm not bashing Rogaldorn. No. Um, like, I want to. dog's named Rogaldorn. Like, um, you want to punish them? I get that. But for 10,000 years? Oh, my God. Well, and part of me wonders if, like, and, and I think this also kind of tells a little bit, this was a very literal addressing of a problem in the 40K universe, is that um, so much in the 40K universe becomes, this is how it is. Mm. So, like, okay, Havran, it, it is a cursed planet. That is how it is. Had anyone checked in on that planet in 10,000 years? I don't even is know it, what they were doing. Like, what is they that were... no? Is that no? Like, you cursed this planet and no one will ever step foot on it. Thus it is written, thus it shall be. Right? And then we're just so shocked <laughs> that they're not still loyal. Exactly. Like, at what point you guys haven't even been back here to be like, hey, going on like you yeah so like they show up and like oh my god there's iron warriors and they're not all and that is we've said a lot that the imperium is its own worst enemy right add this to the pile of examples right and i do like when they're like oh yeah maybe maybe you're not an accursed planet <laughs> like Maybe. Like, it's just... It, 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 but it also goes towards... Well, even then, like, when he was like, okay, so, basically, I've now cut off the head, and we've cut out the root. This right. guy is now in charge. You know, go forth, build, stay loyal, do all those things. Mm -hmm. the, and there were... His uh, Black Templars were like, yeah, but Dorne wouldn't be happy about this. And he's like, but why do we keep pushing this? And for what? They're just gonna go run to somewhere else again i mean they'll just look for another yeah, savior yeah whether it next time it could be the towel honestly yeah. this is like ripe for the towel to come on in and be like hey. it could be the eldari it could be the tau it could be any number of people that they're just like i mean the orcs Shit, this is the iron warriors I who knows think, who comes next i mean one thing about it is that we can't say the orcs would not come here because there's nothing shiny that is true and Yes, I know that there was some demonic stuff and blah, 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 blah. But at least, like, the Iron Warriors aren't... 
they're chaos undivided and they're not necessarily god worshippers and demon worshippers they utilize them as tools yes but like it's not like a nurgle cult just popped up on your home planet right that's bad well i mean like nurgle well like you know augustus clath he wasn't cursed like he didn't you know he wasn't growing horns he wasn't a cultist or anything Mm. just you know it's just like well i mean living under with with these guys at least like at least we're happier yeah exactly and again the imperium just sits there and goes what in a lot of ways they are their own worst enemy so you you kind of touched on this earlier. I think I know the answer to this, but I really want to kind of delve into this because the Templars are a... They're a fun bunch. Weird, they're a weird faction. Do you like the Templars as a chapter? I like parts of the Templars. Um, that's really hard. Because I've read, you know, some books with them where but again it's like it's the sassy templars i like i like when space i like sassy space marines sassy space marines are the best space marines because it's just nice marines with personality that's really really what it is like when they're actually telling jokes and they're not taking everything Mm -hmm. you know so seriously like one of my favorite lines in here is when grimaldus like you know cracks a joke at helbrecht's expense um the templars I don't know which is scarier, them or the Inquisition, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, we all know my feelings on these watered-down chapters. Uh, which is, so, yes, I absolutely loved it when the Iron Warriors kept calling them with, like, thin blood and basically that they're not real legions. Like, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> where is the lie? But, the Templars are like, excuse you, we're like practically the size of one of the legions of old. <laughs> so if anything, <laughs> I... They're a hard chapter to like, I think. They really are. And I have the same problem with them that I have with the Adeptus Sororitas. I think the concept is great. I think the history of mm. them is great with Sigismund, right? I think their whole... I like, like Sigismund. Ethos, I think their whole ethos of we are always on crusades, so take your book and shove it. Um, I think that is really fun. But the application of them, the way that we see them, like Lucerne is, I think a Templar is great. That's like Lucerne, that's the one I was trying to think of, Lucerne. Lucerne is wonderful, but Lucerne is also a Primaris Marine. And we have already seen that the Primaris are different than the old school because much like the Horus Heresy Marines, the Primaris tend not always but tend to have a little bit more personality uh they have a little bit more i don't want to say free will but you kind of know i kind of mm-hmm. in that same vein right um as a chapter god they remind me so much of the depth of sororitas um they remind they are the southern baptists of the 40k universe everything oh my fun god that's a really good way of of, of putting it like like we're not saying that they're we're not saying that they're hillsborough baptist but no, but, but they, they are, but like, they're, but they're Southern Baptist missionaries. They are. And I can say that because like meaning no disrespect to any of our listeners. Um, my grandmother was Southern Baptist. So like everything fun is sinful and we are serious all the time. It is just, it's just what they remind me of. And they are very, there is a line. I've been to many Baptist churches and there's no lie there. Right? Like, there's a line that I always think of from um, 
uh, what is the second song of Ice and Fire book? Uh, Storm uh, Sword. No, Clash no, of Kings. Clash of Kings, yeah. Clash of Kings. They're talking about, um, oh, I can't think of his name right now. The Stannis Baratheon. Somebody's mm. talking about him and he just go. and the person says, they're like, mm, there's too much iron in that one. They will break before they bend. And that reminds me so much of the Templars. That's, part, that's uh, one of my favorite lines out of out of those books, honestly. George R. R. Martin had those first three books especially just had some phenomenal phrasing and wonderful things. Um I'm not a bitter Martin fan. You are. Um Nuh-uh. I <laughs> Nuh-uh. Not, not like I haven't like avoided reading a dance with dragons or anything. It's like, you know, any anyway. Yeah. Um yeah, pretty much. Um, but I, that, that's what I always think about with the Templars. They are very rigid, but I, I think I, one of the reasons I was so keen to read this book is that I kind of wondered with Gulliman being back and the whole Primaris thing, I was like, I don't know how the, I don't know how the Templars are going to deal with this. And as much as I hated that one book where Lucerne tries to go back and find the Templars, I hated that whole part of that book. Oh, right. That was so bad. It was so bad. Um, but it kind of, I mean, like, especially reading this book, you kind of see yeah, kind of how that goes, right? Of like, look, we are unyielding. I totally wiped that from my brain because that was so bad. I totally forgot about how crazy those guys were. Wow. Yeah. yeah you're. Mm. Yeah. But. You're, you're right. When you and, see that Hellbrick is basically the same saying, nope, this is the mission that I have set myself on it. I don't give a shit what anyone says. Yeah, but the Primarch himself. Mm, nope, sorry, I've set myself on a mission from God. Bruh. <laughs> I mean, it's really, really funny how of all the legions, it's really the Imperial Fists and their successors that are like, not my Primarch. Everyone else, not really like that so much. Them, just like... They're very fun about it. Like, the Space Wolves are kind of like, yeah, okay. Well, the Space right. Wolves know that Lehman Russ is coming back. Right. Um, the Dark Angels are like, hmm, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, you don't need the dark, to The Dark Angels the don't even, they, I think they believe the lion is dead. They don't know that he's at the bottom of the tower. Well, a couple very key people. But, like, I think, I think by and large, like, when, when, when Gulliman comes back, the Dark Angels are just like, yeah, totally, totally, yeah, whatever. Um, because you're not our primary mark, but they're more of just like, we're just going to keep doing our own thing. The Space Wolves strike me, at least from what we've seen, kind of more bemused. And no, I don't even count the Wolf Time as a book. Don't at me. God, I will lose my shit if anyone mentions that book. Um, by and large, outside of that book, a lot of what we've seen from That's like other be my book Wolf- of the year just out of spite now. I'll break up with you on that podcast. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> what ended your 11-year friendship with your friend? <laughs> oh, a book called Wolf Time by Gab Thorpe. Yeah, yeah, that's what ended our friendship. Um, swear to God. I would just, okay, legit, if you were like, this is the best book of the year, I'd be like, but did you read any of the other books that we read? <laughs> like, I have questions. I'm just going to do it out what of spite. What that book? It's just spite. Spite! Which the whole book is actually spite. So <laughs> it works. 
100 percent fair. Um, but yeah, everybody else seems like very like everybody else. Well, like, granted, we haven't really seen in the other chapters. We haven't really seen, at least from what we've read, we haven't really seen how the Raven Guard has reacted, or the White Scars, or the kind Salamanders. A little well. I mean, that uh, never mind. That book's probably retconned anyway. But yeah, we've seen a little bit here and there, but not a ton. Um, but yeah, the the Imperial Fists are just like. I just picture them, like, kicking rocks. <laughs> when our Primark came back, why are we going to listen to him? It's not our Primark. Our Primark wouldn't have told us to do that. <laughs> Reminds me of, like, when your babysitter sent you to bed. Right. <laughs> Mom and Dad wouldn't make me go to bed. Mom and Dad would let me eat a pretzel on the couch. <laughs> like, it's that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> this is a very oddly specific memory from my childhood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> See, now I'm going to think of the Imperial Fist just like, Mom and Dorn, Dorn would have let us have a pretzel on the couch. How am I going to imagine that? <laughs> Traumatic babysitting experience when I was 10. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing so. is I could see Dorn being like, no, you can't have that pretzel on the couch. I've always told you you can't have pretzels on the couch. What did Gulliman say? <laughs> like, I didn't ask Gulliman, are you sure about that? I, yeah, it's that kind of like, they're just, they do seem very petulant and very, like, about everything. They remind me kind of of toddlers like that, which, and look, I kind of understand. Like, you have been waiting a, a smidge. It, there, it would be very hard to not be jealous. Like, well, why did you guys get your dad back? To be and fair. And like, the, the ultramarines thriving. To be fair. To be fair, Reboot was a hole in a stasis field. All you guys got is a hand. Too soon. <laughs> God. Why do you guys get our, your Primark back? Because he was whole. I mean, that's fighting words right there. Um, But I, it would have to be hard to watch the Ultramarines like thriving. Like, look how great we're doing. Look at all these unnumbered sons. Look at all this territory we're taking back. Look at all this, that, and the other thing. Oh, and our, our prime markets to um, handle, you know, the emperor's flaming sword. No big deal. Um, it's really hard to watch that, though, and then just be like, I guess we'll just keep on keeping on. <laughs> I do feel bad for them that way. Um, it ain't easy. <laughs> so Warsmith Vakra had some opinions and some thoughts and some things to say and um, do you know what they were all kind of valid yeah do you, i mean do you understand his point of view do you think yeah. he was laying truth bombs yes. was what he was saying was true from a certain point of view i mean yes all of it i mean like again he was there <laughs> um, the day that yeah uh those went head to head do I think that Dorn would have gone a little nuts? Yes. And that is and mainly, uh, I'm actually getting that from false gods. When the Remembrancers tell Dorn about Horus's treachery. Yes. When you have Sigismund calm you down. So it is very well known that Dorn, he's very even keel. But man, when he gets angry, like, all bets are off. 
I and I'm gonna say this very facetiously, but I don't necessarily mean it this way. I just I do mean this very seriously. I get the impression that Rogel Dorn was a bottler. Oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's totally. fine. Oh, it's not fine now. It's really kind of funny because uh, in reading the Unremembered Empire, you know, at one point, you know, when Reboot and the Lion are arguing, Reboot's like, "Do you see how angry I am?" And Lion goes, yes, it's very plain on your face. But what you problem is, is that you don't think that I'm angry because I'm able to hold it in better. So, which is, which is the big problem with the lion, right? He's a bottler. and He you holds them in a little too well. Well, so well that, you know, Reboot is asking, you know, his chief librarian, is he lying? And the guy's like, I can't get anything from this guy because he can totally like blank his mind, almost like the same way that Alpharius can. So it's, uh, so there's, I think there's a, a lot of that bet between the two. And I think that also comes from, you know, Reboot is the politician. Yeah. Dorn is, you know, Reboot does the theoreticals and practicals. Dorn mm -hmm. is practical. Yes. To a fault. Like he's one of those, he's one of those people that is pragmatic to a fault. Agreed. Um, uh, you know, very great at, at, at what he does but man when things like again things don't go to plan doesn't like what he what he hears he will 100% go off and so yeah and the iron warriors i'm sure have undoubtedly witnessed that when they oh, yeah. were storming the walls on terra seeing how dorn was fighting mm -hmm. and so in some ways and this is kind of this is dark-ish but do you remember that scene in the dark night when um when the joker is taunting that police officer and he's just like do you know why i like to use a knife because you get to get up close and in some ways i knew your friends better than you ever did i kind of felt like vacher was towing that line oh yeah right of like i totally see that yeah i actually knew your primark better than you do really in some ways uh, and right. your father, father, Sigismund, like I, I saw a whole other side of them than you guys did. And he ain't wrong. No, he's not. Now, do I also think that he might've been, you know, maybe egging it on a little bit. Oh, hundred percent. You know, to, you know, get, getting a rise because I mean, how easy is that? It's like, I knew your dad. Did you know your dad? I mean, we've seen that with Batman comics when these villains oh are just like, yes. like, I knew Thomas Wayne better than you did. Yeah. And it is an effective dig. I think especially with the Primark being back and everybody kind of, they, I feel as though with the Primark being back, this book also kind of felt a little bit like, okay, now what? what is the new normal and we've seen that a lot right. with a lot of the chapters where they're having to figure out what the new normal is um <laughs> the iron warriors um in some ways i think I, I just love the whole imperial fists versus iron warriors in general mm -hmm. but in some way especially in this particular new world i feel like they are the perfect villains because again we have seen corrupted iron warriors i'm not saying they're not all corrupted like that like that but because most of them haven't become like these shadows of their former self of like, you know, 
we're possessed by demons and all this kind of stuff, right? Right. Um, I feel like they're still somewhat of a reasonable, and because of their nature, that bitter man-child nature of theirs, to just be like, <laughs> yeah, the Imperium. We have some comments on this. And if you think about it, especially with that planet, even more so than sick than Hellbrecht. We, we, we've seen the true side of the Imperium. Oh, you know, like, and he even like, this planet. he even casually mentions what happened with Olympia. Yeah. Very casually. Like, in BD. They are a very, just like, just like Perturbo was, a very cold, you know, and that's one of those, again, that's one of those interesting similarities that Perturbo and Doran always had. Perturbo has two speeds, right? Cold, distant, rational. And I am furiously angry. Right? He was a very mercurial person. Right. His pendulum swung a little faster than Dorne's, but Dorne... And you see that in this book, too. Well, Dorne took With a little the... harder of a flick to get that pendulum to swing. Yes, true. For sure. And yet... <laughs> right. I mean, I, I honestly, the best time that Perturbo's... Uh, it ever swang, swang, swung, I'm stuck on that word, uh, was when Fulgrim made a comment about Vulcan and while he was fixing a very meticulous little thing that Vulcan had made and just took his head and just smashed it in, smashed it into it. It's like, oh, crap, well, I have to fix this. <laughs> but it felt good when, when he did it and he made and he made made a point, but same thing with Dorne. Dorne does the same thing. It's just maybe not as violent. Right. But does do the thing. So here's the thing though. Like, okay. So we literally know where the Black Templars go from here because Helbrecht kind of basically spells out that, okay, we got to do our diligence. But I hesitate to say what was the point of this book, but what, what was the point like the iron warriors okay we've revisited the past and we've kind of seen these old wounds and we've gone through some of our more selfish things that are very navel gazy and what's the future hold for them now what where do they go from here what lessons should they have learned well did you read the afterward i did not actually. okay so which i should have now so, I feel bad. well, no, it's not that important, but Mark Collins says something in there. He talks about how he was approached as, to write this book as part of a character series. So, okay. if there's a point of this book, it sounds like to me that with this new age with the Rift, they're going to be doing individual books a lot like this, just focusing on important characters. Fair. So, and he had mentioned that he's written some things about the Templars, but the Templars hadn't really been explored in a very long time. And I'm going to assume that that's true. I haven't really seen that many books. We had books where they were mentioned, but we never had any books like really about them. So maybe this Fair. is setting up, maybe this is setting up for the larger part they're going to play in the Crusade. Because of what I've been noticing from the Dawn of Fire series, and I think this might kind of tie into that as well, is that what Reboot is doing after he, you know, chastised Marnius Calgar for letting the 500 worlds go even like that was totally Marnius's fault <laughs> the last 10,000 years is you you did it then he's going he's you know going on a recruiting mission right 
right. talk to the space wolves, going to, you know, the dark angels. Now I'm going to talk to the Templars, trying to get everybody on board for for this new vision. The Emperor's Spears, I'm going to send my ambassador because I can't go over there. I'm going to go visit the Blood Angels. Those little recruitment runs. So, yeah, and that's that, fair. And that may be what these character series kind of does in a way. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I would love to see one of these, like a new book on Azrael. Yes. Trike. Actually, I would like to see kind of... Okay, now that you say that, I would like to see these for like all of the chapter all chapter masters. masters. Well, not how da- are they I reacting? Think, think not Dante. We already had one with him, in a way, like fairly Come recent, on, Dante, like and fa- fairly recent as well. Uh, That's true. And devastation, and it's a devastation of ball that reboot mm-hmm. shows up. So we've already had like we, we got we got with Dante. Like Shrike would be interesting um, for sure. Yeah. Um, what the hell is Salamanders doing? Uh, $50,000 question of the universe I right would now. love for a boot to show up at the Iron Hands. Yeah, like, that's what you, fair. What are you guys doing? Besides cutting that's off fair. your flesh for reasons. Uh, I would absolutely love for him to show up and just be like, that's not what Ferris would have wanted. Yes, it was. So I knew him. Ferris would be like ashamed him. of you. <laughs> yeah, Ferris would not be on board with this. Please stop. Please, please stop. Your your diet mechanicus. Just one calorie. <laughs> it's not okay. Um, it, and I think that would be. I think it would be interesting because I think that part of this book too. So this was my like. What was the point of this? Was okay. So now, okay. When I say like we know where they stand, like we know who the loyalists are, right? But it is good to know kind of a state of the union. Right. For some of the chapters, uh, the Black Templars, as you, I mean, yes, they're not a founding chapter, but they're, they're big. They're big. Kinda like they're... the Flesh Terrors. Like, everybody knows who the Templars are. Everybody knows who the, temp- the Flesh Terrors are. It's not like some chapter where you're like, oh, this chapter, and everyone goes, who are they again? Now, um, I would not like a book where Reboot goes and talks to the Angel's Penitent, because... Fuck Remember that, that one group? time that I was like chapters that nobody cares about? Yes. Um, no, I don't care about that one. Christina, I'm still waiting for Phil Kelly to write the book about the Knights of Absolution chapter master and how he's just like, I'm like the only one still alive and what happened? Funny story. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like I, like we said, like so Az- okay Azrael, Shrike, Iron Hands, Salamanders. What's she doing? Friends. And we don't need to go through the Ultramarine successor chapters because I think Reboot's already pretty much covered all of that. He's been like, okay, you bitches are all mine, technically. Right. And um, this is what, what we're doing. Well, and I feel like there's just a few. Like, you could also go through, even if you Ooh, didn't go through all scars. the chapters. Let's go through some white scars. What are the white scars doing? Are they just, or are they just like, you know what? We're cool over here, like what we've always I... done. Like, it's fine. Right. Like, we're fine. I just imagine them looking at the Primaris and being like, we're going to need bigger bikes. <laughs> um, yes. Or just like the characters, like everybody knows Hellbrecht, right? Cause they know the Templars, right? Um, that might be interesting too. Like, I would just like to have these quick little states of the union. Like everybody, like just a little check-in. This is how they're reacting to the Primaris. This is how they are. Like, this is how they're being refocused. This is how they're reacting to the Primarch. This is some mm-hmm. of the wisdom Primarch has to pass on to them. Because that's one of the things that I think, we are and aren't really seeing with Gulliman is 
again, Coleman was there for so much. So like you have some of these chapters who, again, right? Like you remind me of Sigismund. You honor me. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, friend. No, right. Um, like Sigismund was a good dude, but he also had some major flaws, and I'm seeing those in you right now. Um, like I feel like he could maybe, and I don't want to. I don't want it to end up being like Tuesdays with Maury, where he shows up like some magical hobo at every chapter and is like, "And this is the wisdom you need." Goodbye. Um, I don't necessarily want that. I low-key kind of do. Like, and everyone doesn't have to be, like, his wisdom or whatever. Because, like, I don't want this thing where he's, like, dragging everybody. Because, obviously, right. some chapters are going to be, like, more keen on it th than others. But just... He's on, yeah. he's on a recruiting mission. You've been called. Are you coming? And their reactions. That's really, really it. Yeah, I feel like this is more of him proactively going through his voicemail, if that makes sense. <laughs> Like, I just need to see where you're at. Where are my resources? Because he is a strategist. Um, mm -hmm. I just said that a strategist. He's a really good strategist. So, like, he needs to go through there and be like, hey, where are my resources? What are, this what are the Templars look like? Like, oh, man. He also, being a very good leader of men, needs to go through and see who are my loose cannons. Oh, it's the Templars. <laughs> Probably shouldn't count on these guys anytime soon, but maybe. Um, yeah, I, I think that was kind of, I, I like that. I should have read the afterward. Now I feel like a heel. Um, but I, I think if you put it in that context, I like that idea. Yeah. So this, this was a very, this was a fun book to read. Again, I was glad we got some space Marines. Um, it wasn't straight up bolter porn, which I liked. No, it uh, was fine. It was, it was good. But our most exciting thing is our next book which i don't have because apparently everybody and their brother was equally excited for void king by mark collins the only reason mark why collins month starting mark collins the only reason why i have is because i went to the citadel and i got the last copy they said they had four copies in i got the last one crazy i understand it though um rogue traders are fun and we have not had a really great... I mean, there's only one other series that I can think of off the top of my head that stars a rogue trader. And it's really more... Having read the first book, I feel like the rogue trader element is kind of partial, side and partial to the Blackstone Fortress. Um, it's really more... The Blackstone Fortress, like any good haunted house book, uh, is really the main character of those series. The mm -hmm. fact that he they could have made really any title and people would have been like mm, okay this changes the story know how know how <laughs> <laughs> my country came out there for a second um, but I'm excited for it I think it'll be good to get a good rogue trader and that's not secretly an inquisitor I'm telling you I got, I got 10 bucks on this I'm not saying that they're secretly with inquisitors I'm just saying an inquisitor is going to show up you can't have if they are secretly inquisitors, inquisitors or an inquisitor shows up i will venmo you here on the podcast i have taken that bet i will put my money where my mouth is on that one you know i'm excited for it though i do like mark collins as an author i, I think, do too um it'd be fun I'm excited for it I think fun. It's gonna be really something fun. so I, 
I want to say it's like, oh, it's something different. But at the same time, like, I feel like we've read a lot of different stuff this year. Like, we lot, really a lot, have. A lot. <laughs> like, yeah, like not very many books were very similar to one another as we can't and we haven't been able to say that in the past years for sure and i'm not even talking about sure. like I, the armin books don't even count right now all right it was a no. dark it was a dark time we had to we had a void to fill and they filled it so um so yeah so it's gonna be it's kind of like what you were, we were talking about earlier today, actually, because we were talking about rites of passage. And it was just, yeah, it was interesting to have, like, I didn't like the book at all, but it was still an interesting book to read about a faction that we only just kind of see shoved on ships. Rogue traders, yeah. we really only see when the Inquisition needs them. I feel as though there's something innately interesting about all of the factions that are free as it were who wield tremendous amounts of power to basically do whatever they want the inquisitors call their shots the rogue traders definitely call their shots the navigators by and large get to kind of call their own shots right they wield a tremendous amount of power and i think there's something inherently interesting about those factions right because the warhammer 40k universe is not a fun place to live and it's not very free <laughs> No, but I guess if my choices are being a rogue trader, a navigator, or an inquisitor, those choices all suck <laughs> to be free. Uh, the last on that list would 100% be a navigator. Yeah. Two would probably be an inquisitor because you're just constantly having to worry about the backstabbing and the infighting and it's just drama every day. Um. That would be a really fun short story to have like interrogators get together to be like, so let me spill the tea <laughs> about just the BS that they have to deal with. Um, I guess rogue traders probably top of the list, but even they have a whole host of politics and nonsense that they have to deal with and expectations. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The whole Imperium. Like there's really like, I can't even think of anything that I would like to be because like, oh, I'd want to be like, you know, wealthy, like a wealthy c civilian. Well, then it seems like I'd be bored and, and a be, horrible human being be killing people for fun or something. I, it all sucks. It all sucks. Nobody wants to be part of the 40K universe. It's like our oh, own, it's like our own version of misery porn. I, I feel like uh, the um, that scene in Office Space. Would you want to be part of the Warhammer 40k universe? No. Shit, no, man. That's, yeah, I believe you could get killed on day one wanting something like that. I mean, well. Do you want to take us out? Okay? I sure will. So you've listened to the Warhammer 40k book club regarding Hellbrecht by Mark Collins. So be sure to join us next time for Void King, which is also by mark collins it's the mark collins show we are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the black library or any of its affiliates you can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website wh40kbookclub.com if you like this episode please like subscribe give a review and all those good things to the vidcast on youtube or the podcast literally anywhere you can get podcasts our site also has articles about our adventures in reading other warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books so please stay a while and read from a crag. And yes, I, I am still Alfarious. 
sips bitterly on my Iron Warrior's water bottle. Does it taste like dirt and entitlement? No, it just smells like it. You were very bitter and I am the reason. I don't think I want my water bottle smelling like dirt, but okay, sure. <laughs> now I got weird. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Warhammer 40k book club is hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve.